Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord. How'd you like that worship? Isn't that awesome? I tell you what. I would, I would love to start every day with that. Wouldn't that be great? Just have an hour-long worship service every day before we head to work. Holla it someday. Amen. All right. We're going to get into the word this morning. Uh, my heart is stirred. We've been having prayer every morning, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, from 7 to 8. And uh, there is just a spirit of prayer. I've, I've been asking the Lord for a spirit of prayer for quite some time. Uh, There have been seasons in my life where that's been true, and there's been seasons in my life where that's not. Doesn't mean I don't pray. Doesn't mean that I'm not obligated to pray, but it sure is a lot better when there's a spirit of prayer on you. And uh, I'm telling you, there is a spirit of prayer there for the taking. If you will come under that thing, God will begin to use you, and he'll... I've been on the phone with so many people and just ended up in a prayer meeting on the phone. Just the spirit of God would fall... And uh, my heart is uh, heavy. Uh, I'm concerned for our nation. I'm concerned for the coming generation. I am not discouraged. Uh, matter of fact, I got a little bit of fight in me right now. Uh, so it's not, it's not a thing where I'm in despair whatsoever, but I am concerned. And I want to remind you of what the Lord told me a couple weeks ago that I shared with you. And it's still, it's a troubling word to me. And this is what he told me. It's an obscure verse Uh, in reference to, uh, I believe it was Ben-Hadad had sent word to the king uh, that he was going to destroy them. And and, uh, Ben-Hadad received this word back from the king of Israel. He who puts on his armor should not boast as one who takes it off. And the Lord was telling me that. And what he was saying was, this thing is still in the balances. The battle is not yet won. And uh, we've got to be careful because our, our charismatic bravado can undermine our motivation to pray. There is a need for us to get under the load of this thing. We are responsible for our nation and for this region in particular. God chooses the times and the places in which men should live. And there's a reason that God put us in this generation and in this location. And you and I are stewards of this. We're going to answer to God. Matter of fact, in Matthew 11 and 12, there's, it talks about how God will call cities to account. Isn't that an interesting thing? At the end of the age, we understand we will stand as individuals before God. I've heard it preached. I've preached it. That, you know, I've preached it. Hey, husband, you won't stand as a couple before God. You're going to stand as alone, so you can't blame your wife for things and vice versa. That's good preaching. But the fact is, there's a corporate accountability that we will answer to God for. And Scripture says in Matthew 11 and 12, that in that day, Sodom and Gomorrah will rise up against that generation and give witness against that generation. There, there's a corporate accountability for the hour in which we live that you and I are stewards for and that we will stand before God and give an account for what we did in the hour in which we live. Did we allow this thing to go down on our watch? Or did we pray this thing through? And then it talks about those cities that, uh, it talks about cities being made accountable. In the book of Revelation, God calls churches to accountability. He addresses them as a corporate body and not just as individuals. There's something that you and I carry as a church that we will give accountability to God for. That God has given us an assignment, there's a deposit, a corporate deposit that you and I carry and that we are to leverage for the kingdom for such a time as this. And this is not a time to slumber. This is a time to stir ourselves awake and cry out to God because God is looking for his body to arise and pray this thing through. And so this is, my my heart is just stirred. So I want to continue on with what we were looking at last week. Uh, We have been, (laughs) we started out on a a series, a theology of prayer. And we got into the first phase of that series. We were looking at a biblical cosmology, which is just a 50 cent word for how does this whole thing work? 
God designed the world to work in a specific way. As creator, he created man and delegated, according to Psalm chapter 8, he put everything under man's feet. He delegated it to us, and therefore, the principle of prayer is this, divine intervention only by human invitation. God will not violate the principle that he set up. He delegated it to us. We'll give an answer for it. And if we want his intervention, if we want him to invade our situation, we need to use our voice and in faith invite his invasion into our situation. And when we do, God will invade. So rather than wringing our hands saying, God, why don't you do something? We need to understand God is looking at us saying, why don't you do something? Invite me, engage in this process called prayer, and I will move on your behalf. So we started this, and there was going to be four categories to a theology of prayer we were going to look at, and we kind of got stuck in this one, and then we kind of got stuck in a subset of that, and then we got stuck in a subset of that, so I've lost my way on our series, okay? I'm just admitting it, but we, got, we went into Father's Day. And I want to continue on that because I just, I feel the burden of the Lord on this thing. I, I took a, a road trip with my kids, this couple of my kids, on uh, Tuesday. We went to Kansas City and got some good barbecue. Glory to God. Did you feel that? Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, went to Joe's Barbecue. I highly recommend it. And everybody been to Joe's Barbecue before? I think we got the name from Addie. And uh, oh my goodness, it was good. But uh, anyways, I digress. Uh, and uh, on the way, my son Evan started reading to me this article. It was an interview with a Catholic woman philosopher, female Catholic philosopher. And she is a kind of a, she's someone who analyzes culture. And as he began to read it, it my, my heart just broke. It, it's like this weeping came on me. And I thought, man, I wish I could just get alone and pray right now. Uh, because it went along with what I was preaching about last week. And last week we were talking on Father's Day about how the template of heaven is there's a father who has a son. And a father who sends a son and a son who sends a spirit. And the spirit draws us back to the father. And it brings us into the, the, the divine family, the royal family, the kingdom family of the father, the son, and the spirit. The template of heaven is family. And it's not a coincidence that our initial relationships have to do with family. We're born into a family. And therefore, there is a war against family because the enemy wants to destroy our concept of family because in destroying our concept of family, he robs us of one of the, one of the primary revelatory metaphors to understand who God really is and what he's called us into. Family is a revelation of who God is. And we cannot understand God without understanding that he is first and foremost a father who had a son but wanted many sons. Hebrews chapter 2, Romans chapter 5 both talk about bringing many sons to glory. That God, does, he had an only begotten and he wanted many begottens. Now that's not good English, but that's, that you get the point. God desired a family. He, he, God is in his heart of hearts a father. That's why in Ephesians chapter 3, when Paul's great apostolic prayer, where he says, I kneel before the father, comma, from whom all fatherhood, or it can be translated family, in heaven and on earth derives its name. Paul is saying, listen, God is the ultimate first example of a father. And he's inviting us in. We, we as human fathers are simply poor examples of the ultimate good father to varying degrees. And the enemy is out to sabotage fatherhood and disintegrate families to alienate us from the father. Now, uh, so we were talking about this last week and I was, as we were uh, driving over to Kansas City, my son, he, he reads widely and gets me reading all kinds of crazy stuff that I'd have never read without him. Uh, and he began to read to me this article. I'm going to pull it up here uh, if I can find it. Because he, uh, there was one phrase in there that just broke my heart. And this lady, she's, she's analyzed the current political climate, which we know is so 
charged with anger and rage and divisiveness and polarization and everybody's looking at each other like they're enemies and it's just this hyper-polarized environment that the enemy loves to fuel and cause people to be on opposite sides of things and it's not the kingdom. And this is what she said, this Catholic theologian. Because she was analyzing the present political climate, especially on college campuses. And it was reminiscent of me, some videos I've seen of, of some young adults. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I made fun of it. I laughed at it. I, I, I mocked it. I thought, oh, you know. Uh, but I, I saw young people just crying on the floor over elections going a direction they didn't want or a situa- another situation and it's like they just have a meltdown and they sit there on the, on the floor and just scream. I've seen, you know, in different, different scenarios and, and in not understanding, I kind of made light of it. But God broke my heart for those kids this week. And this is what she said and I thought it was so insightful. I want to share it with you because I, I believe it's a key to the marching orders of the church in this hour. This is what she said. Identity politics are the primal scream of our time. A collective human howl sent up by inescapably communal creatures who can no longer identify their own. I want to read that again. It's the collective human howl sent up by inescapably communal creatures. We were made to be communal. We were designed to be in a family. And when in an age where the family is disintegrating at a a fast rate, there is a whole generation of young people who are being raised in in broken homes and, and, and again, broken again and again and again. And they don't know the link. They don't know who their people are. And so what's happened is in this day and age, rather than being able to connect by genetics, connect by biology, connect by uh, relationship and the stability, and, and even if it's God, God sets the lonely in families, David said. Psalm 68, it's that wonderful passage where David said, God is a father to the fatherless, and he sets the lonely in families. David is saying that's God's answer to what plight, the plight that we're looking at right now. The human pain that those kids are feeling is because they feel disconnected and they don't know their identity. Because the first place your identity is forged is in your family where you know who your mom, your dad, even if it's a stepdad, a stepmom, there's people you're linked to and you begin to get your identity and you have the security of these extended relationships. She goes on to observe how even the, 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 with abortion now, we have smaller families and people are having less and less children. And so there's not the siblings that people anchor themselves into. And so people feel disconnected, even to the point, do you know that there is a, an emerging industry in Japan to deal with people who die alone? Because they have an epidemic of people dying alone and aren't discovered until their neighbors smell something. There is a cleanup industry that's rising in Japan, people dying in loneliness. There's insurance industry rising in Japan. You can now, if you're a landlord, have buy insurance for cleanup because it can really damage your apartment if someone dies and isn't discovered soon enough. And it's this disconnection that is the result of us falling away from the word of the Lord and from scripture. And we got these kids, this this generation who do not know who they are. And so now what they're doing is they're identifying themselves by their pain. And they're finding community. They're they're, they're beginning to, their, their community is revolving around their perceived sense of victimization, their, their pain, and it's very real pain. And often it's misdiagnosed pain, but it's very real nonetheless. And it's rooted in a lack of family. And so what is God's answer? God sets the lonely in families. And King David was the young man who received this revelation from God centuries ago. 
He was the one. Why did David get this revelation? It's because David was born into a home that many theologians believe David was the product of an illicit relationship his father had. There are two passages where it talks about David's uh, you know, family relations, and they don't match up. And, and many believe that one of them is belonging to the biology of his mother and one of them to his father and that David was from an illicit relationship. And that's why David began to struggle with sexual immorality and even his son Solomon because it was a generational thing passed to him from Jesse. I never knew this last week. Steve Bannerman came up to me after service last week and he shared, he said, did you know that when Remember we were talking last week about Samuel coming to Jesse and said, I'm going to sacrifice at your house today. Get your family together. Because Samuel, the man of God, had heard from the Lord that they were going to anoint the next king of Israel out of his family. And so Samuel, or Jesse, he's excited. I mean, that's like Billy Graham and the president in one. You know, he's visiting. And so they, he gets all his kids except for one. And he leaves the one on the backside of the desert with the livestock. Why? Because the last thing you want when the prophet arrives, is the human reminder of your moral failure walking around the room. And I never knew this, but Steve was sharing with this with me this last Sunday that when Jesse confronted, or Samuel confronted Jesse, he said, do, do you have another son? Because the Lord showed him. It's, it's none of these are sitting here. He knew he heard from the Lord. Jesse's answer, he said, yes, and the Hebrew word he used was, I have a worthless one. I have a worthless one, which was the one who God chose to rule over Israel. It was God's man. And I'm telling you, you cannot read scripture without realizing the elevated relationship that God had with David to the extent that centuries later, God would act and say, for the sake of my servant David... David had captured the heart of God to the point where God was still acting on his behalf centuries after he had passed. David was the one who got the revelation. God sets the lonely in families. And it healed his heart. And rather than being a wound that the enemy could leverage, it became the stronghold of God in his heart. And David was one who knew God. He was one after God's heart. That word after is an action word. He was in hot pursuit of God's heart because he found himself a dad in God. And David then extended that fatherhood over an entire nation. God sets the lonely in families. He's a father to the fatherless. And it extends to you and I our marching orders. I'm telling you, you and I are the answer to the situation in this nation. There is a coming harvest that God wants to send to, this, to the globe. But he's going to have to send it to people who will be surrogate fathers and surrogate mothers to a broken generation. I shared this with some of the intercessors this week. Uh, someone had sent me a word by Lou Engel. And I love Lou. Man, that guy, his, his words breathe fire. And if you don't know Lou Engel, he is a prophet, intercessor, and uh, has, he's, I don't know if he ever eats. He's always calling a 40-day fast, you know. He's like, I'm calling another 40-day fast in 10 days. Later, I'm calling another 40-day fast. And he just, uh, we've had him in here before, and the guy just, he stokes my fire. And he talked about how God was going to send a revival among the LGBT community. He had this word 30 years ago about 100,000 LGBT being swept into the kingdom. And as they begin to pray out for this, Bob Jones, a prophet who's now gone to be with the Lord, a very accurate prophet, the stories of this man are crazy. And he, he came to, to Lou and gave him that same word. But he told him, he said, the Lord has told me that this word is still in the balances. It's still out there. Will it swing in favor of God's intention? The fact is God's will is not always done. God is not willing that any should perish, but people do. Because there, doesn't, there isn't an intercessor. And so he said that there, this thing's in the balance. And, and God began to deal with them. And they, they've been praying about this for years, but it's come back to them lately. And he said, recently he was preaching in a church 
And all of a sudden, a young man stood up and pointed at him. Right in the middle of his preaching, he said, you have no right to tell us who struggle with same-sex desire that we cannot be married unless you carry the power of God to deliver us of those desires. And Lou was stunned. Man, I feel the weight of that. It's on you and I that know the Lord to get with God and carry the power of God for their deliverance because they need a father and a mother that will pay the price for them. And I do believe God is going to sweep in a massive harvest among the LGBT community. The LGBT community is one of those who are circling around their woundedness and their identity has been is established and they, their community is surrounding their woundedness and it's very real pain. And I tell you what, the last thing they need is a bunch of believers laughing and making fun and, and tongue-in-cheek jokes about them. I cannot imagine being a man and being having this, this confusion in my identity so that I'm attracted to other men. I can't imagine the torment of that. And I'm telling you, nobody would choose that. And there are many that struggle with it, they haven't chose it, but because of their circumstance and because of their personality and the unique way things have happened to them, something got bent and they need people that carry the power of God and the compassion of heaven to lay hands on them and walk them through a process. And when God sends this harvest, I believe he's looking for a group of people that are saying, we're willing to receive them. Lord, send them here. And I'm telling you what, it'll be messy. But when you're family, you're stuck with each other and you got to put up with each other's messes. And God is looking for families to send his orphaned children to. It's not enough for us just to pray for them and say, be on your way. We impart something to you. They need a family. That means we do life together. God is looking for those who will walk with him in these type of things. And it's going to be messy. But I believe the Lord is waiting. He's looking. Is there a church? Is there a group of people that will say, I'm willing? I'm reminded right now of a young man that came in the teen challenge when I was working there. And he sat in, my, in front of my desk, and he was so overly feminine in his, his mannerisms. I mean, much more feminine than my very feminine wife. And he shared with me, I'm here in Teen Challenge to get help with my homosexual desires. He'd gotten saved, and he wanted deliverance, and he was struggling with that. And, he, and then he said this. He said, you know, I used to be very feminine in my mannerisms, and I about fell off my chair. Now, I'm a good enough counselor that I didn't show it. I kept my cards, but I was shocked at that because this was improvement. And he began to share with me that there was a, a farmer and his wife in southern Iowa that befriended him. And this elderly man and his wife said, you need to come and live with us. You come and live in our basement. And he said, I'm telling you, just living with that couple began to bring me out of this. They began to establish his identity. And I thought, man, I, I know this, his generation, his occupation did not lend itself to compassion towards that young man. But his faith did. And he extended a family to this young man. And that guy began his healing process with an elderly farmer and his wife who just loved on him and treated him like a son. Can God find a place that will welcome the broken and put up with their junk? Because if he can't find it, they'll never be delivered. We've got to be those people. I was talking to Jeff Collins this week. Many of you know Jeff. He's a dear friend. I love Jeff. He's just a guy that breathes rarefied air and every now and then comes down to earth to release it. He's just, I, I just love the guy. And uh, I called him and he didn't pick up. Five minutes later, he called me and I just, he had sent me something recently and I said, let's, let's just talk. I want to share with you what the Lord's been speaking to me and vice versa. And he began to share with me. He said, Dave, yesterday I was on my way to a 
a prayer meeting, and he said, a prophetic astonishment came over me. I love that language. A prophetic astonishment. And he began to weep. And he said, the Lord told me. He said, he brought me to that passage. I want to read it to you. Let's go there. It's 1 Kings. 1 Kings. Uh, thank you. 1 Kings. Hold on a second. I got to wipe my eyes. I can't read. Oh, it's my need for bifocals. It's not my tears. <laughs> Listen to this. Chapter 3, verse 16. Now two prostitutes came to the king. One of them said, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay upon him. She was nursing him and fell asleep and smothered her own child. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, was, I your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put my, her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son and look, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son that I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours and the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. And the king said, this one says my son is alive and your son is dead. And that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword for the king. And he then gave an order. Cut the, ch the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. It's a troubling verse until you get to the end of it. And it's a brilliant strategy. But Jeff said, he said, Dave, I was on my way to a prayer meeting. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, that the two prostitutes are a picture of the church. Man, I've not been able to shake that all week. I've just been praying to this because I, I could feel it when he said it. I knew it was a word for the Lord, and I've been asking God, what do you mean? What do you mean the church is represented by these two prostitutes? And I do believe it's a picture of the church. And the Lord began to speak to me about the babies. The babies represent the emerging generation. And the prostitutes represent the leadership of the present church. And a full half of the emerging generation died, was smothered under the slumbering church leadership. The leadership that was asleep on the job. But the other one was spared, not out of any nobility of the mother. There is no moral high ground right now. It's not time to point figures and say this church and that church because both of them are prostitutes. They'd both been unfaithful. They both fell asleep. One of them's child was spared. When I, I began to ask the Lord, God, what are you trying to tell us? And this is what I believe the Lord wants us to hear this morning. That child's life was in the balance by the edict of the king. And it was the care of the next generation was awarded to the one who interceded before the throne. Because one of the mothers said, no, no, just let it live, give it to her. And the other mother said, no, cut it in half, neither of us will have it. And Solomon wisely said, give it to the first one who cares for its life because she is the real mother. And the question remains, are we true mothers and fathers in the faith? God longs to send a wave of harvest to this generation in the church, but he can only give it to those who will intercede on their behalf. He's only going to be able to give it to those who will receive them as family. I've been asking the Lord for weeks now, just crying out and saying, God, you've got to show us what the church is supposed to look like because I've had this sense that this is not enough. 
This is not what it was supposed to be. Jesus didn't die so we could build nice buildings, have good sound systems, and meet once a week. I'm grateful for all this. I, sometimes I look around and think, how did we get all this? But this is not enough. And what God wants to send won't be housed in buildings. What God longs to do in our nation would, would not fit in every church in this region if we all had multiple, multiple services. So we need a template. We need a, a pattern. We need a model that can handle the harvest he wants to send. And I'm here to tell you it's family. It's those who will open their hearts and open their homes and make room for the broken. Whereas people are, are, are gathering in a communal way around their pain, God wants them to gather in a communal way around their identity as sons and daughters, around mothers and fathers in the faith. People that will speak their identity to them and love them, love them through their mess, put up with their junk. I tell you what, some, you know, some of my kids, I've had a lot of kids, okay? My wife and I had seven children. And there were times if they weren't my children, I mean, it, they stretched me being my kids. I, you know, I was biologically and legally obligated. And I was still, it just stretched me. But I didn't have a choice because they're mine. And you know what? I, I thought when they get to be adults, then, you know, my job's kind of done, you know. I'm more involved now. It's more work to be a father too, but I love it because they're my kids. And God wants to give you kids in the spirit. He wants to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And only then will the hearts of the children be turned to the fathers. And if that doesn't happen, he says it. He'll have to strike the land with a curse. And that's where we're at right now. And I'm telling you, God's stopgap measure in this nation is the church becoming a family. Us stepping up and saying, God, break our hearts. Let us be the one. There's no high ground. We all stand before him as prostitutes, okay? We've all been unfaithful. We've all slumbered. But we stand before the throne. And there was something selfless about this mama. She said, even if I don't get to raise it, I just got to see it live. See, there's something that gets to the heart of this thing. See, this is not the hour to build the church. This is not the, the hour to be studying church growth. How can we get more people? How can we be a, a better, you know, how can we be that growing, happening church? This is not the hour for that. All that matters is that that child lives. It doesn't matter. If, if God wants to send revival to Prairie Ridge, we've got to be willing to pray that thing through. It's in the balance right now. And so we need to be those. But I'm telling you, God will grant oversight to those who will weep for the next generation. Uh, Jeff and I were talking about all of this stuff, and he brought up this story I'd never heard. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. You know, they... they Historians to this day point back to the Booths saving England. I mean, it was debauchery. They were the ones that got child labor laws passed because little children, six, eight years old, were being worked eight, 10, 12, 14 hours. They would, set, they would strap them naked to little carts on, on tracks because they could get in places donkeys couldn't, and they would send them into these mines 14 hours a day sometimes. Kids were dying and they were just taking advantage. And William Booth threw himself into that thing. One of his kids almost went to prison because they did an undercover operation to expose it. But they turned England. And it's not a coincidence that their movement was known as the Salvation Army. They understood this is not an hour for a community center. This is not an hour for us just to have fellowship. This is war. And they threw themselves in the battle. And they turned England. And Jeff was sharing with me of this, these two gals because they would send their people into the worst of the worst. And they were down there and, and uh, these two gals had won in this really 
bad part. I believe it was in London. And uh, they were getting beat up and pelted with rotten food. And they would mock him and laugh at him. And they wrote General Booth because they, they had military. Uh, they still do this day. They had military terminology for all their positions within their movement. And uh, they said, uh, they wrote him and they said, General Booth, we've done everything and nothing is working. There's no breakthrough. They just mock us and they laugh at us. And he sent them a two-word reply. This was his reply, try tears. And that's what they did. And they got a breakthrough. After they, they were able to get under that thing and begin to weep for those people, something began to happen when they began to get up and preach. There was a breaking that began, and grown men, hardened criminals, began to openly weep, and revival hit. This is the hour for us to try tears. God is looking. See, we could be Hezekiah that just says, well, peace is going to be in my day and age. We're, we're going to, the, the U.S. will be fine while I'm still alive and my kids will have to deal with it. But that is an affront to heaven. God is looking for those as mothers and fathers, we'll get under this thing and we'll fight for the next generation. I was speaking to another, a prophet this week, and, and uh, he had shared with me a situation that, of a mutual acquaintance that we have, and we were praying for this acquaintance, and as we went into prayer for it, I saw this picture of the father in the situation, and there was a, I saw this circle in, in the, the, the heart of their child, and there was this battle for their destiny, and the, 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 the father had reached out and, uh, to this prophet and just was concerned, and so we were praying for it. And I saw in the spirit this battleground in the life of their child. It was a circle. It was almost like a spotlight. And all of a sudden, I saw that circle shift to the father. And all of a sudden, the battle was in the soul of the father. And the torment and the, 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 the hardship and the, the, the battle was being fought in the soul of the father and not the child. And immediately, I, it's like I just knew. It was because the dad could handle what the child couldn't. The dad could handle the onslaught. The dad could handle the oppression that the child couldn't. And the child couldn't fight for themselves. And that's why that child needed a father. And I'm telling you, this generation needs fathers and mothers. This is an hour for you and I to pray. If you have anything in God, if you have any history in God, we need to be crying out to God, and we need to come under that burden of prayer. There is a spirit of prayer that God wants to extend to us, and he wants to move things in this hour. I really feel like the future is a big question mark right now, and we stand at a fork in the road. Things are in the balance. And we, like the prostitute that stood before the king, the, the, the destiny of this child is in the balance. And God is waiting for somebody to be an intercessor to tip the scales in heaven's favor. He needs somebody to get under this thing and weep. I want to encourage you. Listen, we're coming out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 7 a.m. If that is too late for you, you let me know. I'll show up here at 6, and we'll, we'll go from 6 to 8. And those that can come from 7 to 8, but this is a time to pray. And there's something about corporate prayer that we can get under that thing. And there's a, there's, a, 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 there's a prayer shawl in the spirit, a mantle that will fall on you if you yield yourself to it. I find myself waking up in the middle of the night just praying and crying out to God. And it's, it's because there's this spirit of prayer that God is extending. And I know I'm not the only one. God wants to give it to us. I want us to pray right now. You've heard enough preaching. Let's just pray right now. Father, oh God, God, oh, Lord, 
Oh, God, Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would grace us with that sacrificial heart of a father and a mother who pays the price for the children who cannot yet do so. Lord, I thank you for what you've established in us, Lord, but it's not for us to simply enjoy, but it's for us to leverage for the emerging generation. And Lord, we're asking, spare this nation. God, all of the pain, Lord. God, all of the pain of the various demographics, Lord. Lord, as human beings, as your kids, Lord, we're often too blind to even know what our pain really comes from. But Lord, you know. And Lord, I'm asking that you would raise up a church that's willing to be a family. That becomes a family to the broken and the hurting, Lord. Oh, God. Lord, deliver us from the arrogance that wants to win arguments but lose hearts. God, we don't want to be right. We want to be righteous, Lord. God, we don't want to win arguments, God. We want to win hearts, God. We want to weep with those who weep. Lord, I'm asking that you do a work in our hearts, Lord. Oh, Jesus, just begin to pray. And if you're uncomfortable, you need to learn to pray. Scripture says, if you can't run with men, what will you do when it's time to run with horses? If we don't turn this thing, there is hardship on the horizon. If you can't pray in this hour, you won't be able to pray then. Father, we just ask, God, Lord, deal with our hearts, Lord. Move on our hearts, Father. Lord, we ask for a spirit of prayer, Lord, to come upon us. Lord, we ask for a mantle of prayer to fall on us, Lord. God, just have your way, Father. Father, we stand in the gap for this nation, God. Lord, we stand in the gap for this nation, Lord. God, we're asking, spare this nation, Lord. God, hold it together. Lord, visit this people, God. Lord, we're asking, God, that the strategies of the enemy would be thwarted, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, that the strategies of the enemy would be thwarted, Lord. Oh, God. Lord, the various groups, Lord. God, those groups that are broken and beginning to commune around their pain. Lord, I'm asking that you'd visit them, God. And Lord, give us the grace to be fathers and mothers and step in. And Lord, that we would weep with those who weep, Father. Oh, God, deal with our hearts, Lord. Impart to us, God, a burden in Jesus' name. Oh, God. Father, we ask God, impart to us a spirit of prayer, Lord God. Father, we yield ourselves as a church, God. Lord, we yield ourselves as a church. Use us, Lord. Lord, wield us as you will, Lord. But, Lord, don't let us miss this opportunity to partner with you, God. Oh, God. I want, if you are called, you know, listen, all of us need to be intercessors. But you know that there, is, there are encounters, experiences, and words that you've received from God that you know God has set you aside as an intercessor, that you are to be a person that is someone that continues, takes those things to the throne. I want you to come forward right now, and I want you to stand just about this far out from the platform, and just, let's just make a line. If God has called you to be an intercessor, Oh, God, Lord, we're asking. We're going to present ourselves right now as a sacrifice that we're willing to pay the price. And if there's a thing in you that says, I don't know if I'm willing, I'm telling you, tell God, God, I'm willing to be made willing. God, I don't want to, but I want to want to. Lord, give me the want to. Give me the grace to be an intercessor. And let's just stand before him right now. We're putting ourselves on the altar. God has to add the fire. But we need God to move in this hour. Oh, God. 
I'm telling you, part of being a prophetic people is to see in advance what's coming and to head it off if it's from the enemy and to intercept if it's from God. And I'm telling you, the enemy has plans to break this nation and dismantle this nation that's been a blessing to the earth. And he's leveraging the pain of people to do so. And it's up to the church to weep with those who weep. It's up to the church to be the family and to gather them up and love them. So, Lord, I'm asking God, release your fire right now, God. Lord, release your fire. Lord, I'm asking God, release your angels right now. Lord, that you would send the angels with the inner incense, God. Lord, the censors, God, from heaven. Father, I thank you for the hours of prayer invested in the Bixby tribe. Lord, I'm asking, let it be visited upon Kara in this hour, Lord. Lord, I ask for an inheritance, God, an inheritance, a tenacity, a ferocity, an intercession, Lord, of great faith. Lord, I thank you that there's an inheritance of victory. Kara, I even have this sense that there were things your dad prayed for that God withheld because God's gonna give it to you because only together with you will it be made perfect. There are things your dad stood in faith and he had promises he didn't see fulfilled. Not because it wasn't faith and it wasn't a real promise, but because God intended to visit it upon you. And there's going to be generational momentum. So Lord, I ask God, release that in this hour. Release that in this hour. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for Sarita, Lord. God, more, more more. Release your fire on her, God. Lord, the fires of intercession. Oh, oh, Sarah, I'm telling you, there is a boldness from heaven. There is a faith. You are, there, there's a, you see things in the spirit before they arrive. It's like you can see the future and pray it in. I'm telling you, there is a sense that you have, you don't even realize, but it's for intercession. It's for prophetic intercession. And so, Lord, I thank you. Lord, just release fire. Release fire. Jennifer, you know you wear armor. It's for battle. You have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. You were born for warfare. You wouldn't even be happy to be in any other way. There is a thing. God has designed you. He prophetically designed you for such a time as this. For this hour in human history, he saw it converging and he said, I got to have her alive now. In Jesus' name, Lord, I ask for fresh fire, for fresh grace. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Madeline, I'm telling you, there has been battle, that there's been warfare that's gone on for your family. And God has trained your fingers for battle, your hands for battle and your fingers for war in the battle for your own children. And God's going to use that now. He's going to give you vengeance on the enemy. He's going to give you vengeance on the enemy. He's going to give you vengeance on the enemy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Keep praying, saints. Keep praying. It's time for prayer. Christy, ah, I just saw the Lord bringing you online. It's like sometimes, it's, it's sometimes like it's, I had this sense of like, the computer's been shut down, and it's not a rebuke. It, I, I, my sense is that just there's been other things, but God's bringing you back online right now. Back online for intercession. Back online. Back online. Back online. Same for you, Sue. So, pa 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 more 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 Lord just release your fire God Lord release your fire God Lord release your fire Lord I'm asking God that this household would be a household a fiery prophetic intercessory worship fiery prophetic intercessory <laughs> prophetic intercessory worship 
Ha, Lord, breathe on the coals again. Breathe on the coals again. Ah, pa, 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 Ah, see, kick, kick, kick. Even things that were visited on your father, promised to your father, there's a mantle that you can grab. Pa, pa, pa. Si, ko, 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 si, chicle. Ah, si, chicle, ko, 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 more, Lord, more. Father, I thank you, God. Lord, I, John, I see like this, this trench that has been dug in intercession. There's a trench, and God's going to cause you to run up and down the trench. Up and, and I see it starting on fire. It's like the fuel is already in the trench. It, you, as you run, it's going to set that trench on fire in intercession. Ha! Go, suchoklo, ko, 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 pa, 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 suchoklo, ho, ba, pa, 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 ho, 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 pa, 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 suchoklo, ko, 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 suchoklo, ma, si, ko, 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 Lord, send your fire, God, send your fire, send your fire, God. Yes, Lord. Father, we ask for that, God. Kay just shared with me. She said she was praying last night, Kay Crum, that the God, she was asking God, let the mantles of travail fall. I've been asking the Lord, God, grant us travail. There's something that travail will accomplish that nothing else will. Our... our we, we need to be gripped with his heart, with his burden. And so, Lord, I ask God, release travail to us, God. Lord, that we would get under the burden. Lord, we would see things from your perspective, Lord. Oh, God, we would get under the load through intercession, Lord. Teach us to lift the load through intercession. Teach us to lift the load through intercession. McKenna, there's a, there's a touch of God on your life for intercession. I don't know if you know that or not, but there's a touch of God. Lord, I thank you for this young woman, God. Lord, I thank you that you are going to use her powerfully to pray your purposes. There's a boldness that's going to come upon you. Lord, I thank you for her, God. Lord, I thank you for mom. Lord, I bless them, Lord. Oh, more, Lord, more, 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 more. Oh, there are things, there are things the Lord did years ago in you, sister, and he's awakening them now, now, now. It's for such a time as this, such a time as this. Lord, we just bless this family, Lord, this household. More, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. More, Lord. More. More. Dad, come on up here. Hallelujah. More, Lord. Get with your family. I want to pray for this whole household. Lord, I thank you for this household, Lord. God, I thank you for your touch on them. More, Lord, more, 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 more. Hallelujah. McKenna, God's going to begin to explain to you. There's things. He's going to take you on a journey, and you're going to be a woman of God. He's going to explain things to you. He's going to begin to use you, and you're going to, you're going to begin to pray things. You're going to begin to pick up on things in the Spirit. God's going to speak to you. He's going to train you, and God's going to use you to move things in your generation. Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. More, Lord. More, 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 Lord. God. Put your hand on your belly. Father, I thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for travail, Lord. God, that you impart your heart, God. Your heart and your mind. Your heart and your mind. Your heart and your mind. Lord, I thank you that you'll use her, God, to birth the purposes of God. Hallelujah. More, Lord. More, 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 more. Ba, 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 ba. So choclo, co, 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 co. Ba, si choclo, Lord, I thank you for the heritage. I thank you for the heritage. Ho, ho, man, there is a deep, deep, deep well. Oh, Lord. And Father, we lay claim to the generations of prayer for this hour. Oh, 
Lord, we lay claim. Lord, those unfulfilled promises, Lord, let them culminate in this hour, God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, more, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know why, but I'm telling you, the Lord wants to emphasize to us there is no moral high ground. We don't come before him on our own righteousness. We don't say, God, look at our history, look at what we've done. We come, there were two prostitutes who stood before the king. They're both equally guilty. Both slept, but one child died. But the thing that set them apart is one cried out for the life of the child while the other was, a lot, was willing to see it slain. That's what's going to tip the scales. Will we cry out for the life of the emerging generation? That's what's going to tip the scales. And we appeal to the mercy, the mercy of the king. We appeal to the mercy of the throne. Oh, God, Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, God, Father, we're asking, Lord, deliver us from business as usual. Deliver us, God. Pull us into your purposes, Lord. Oh, God, deliver us from the mundane schedule of churchianity, God. Lord, deliver us. Oh, God. Let your fire fall on us, God. Lord, that your purposes would prevail in our lives, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I am imploring you, make it out for prayer. Make it out for prayer. If, if those times don't work for you, let me know. We'll figure something out. But we need to be a praying church. We need to be a praying church. That is the mandate of the hour. If we can't run with men, we'll not be able to run with horses. We better learn to pray now. And there's grace to come under that thing. Right now, God is teaching us to pray as one. And so I'm, I'm asking you, make it out. Make it out for prayer. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 7 to 8 a.m. And there's other prayer meetings. K-Hop's relaunching on Tuesday nights. We got the prayer meeting on Facebook, Heartland Church family page. Uh, on a Zoom call, we pray Saturday nights. But let's pray. Amen? Oh, let's, let's just pray. <laughs> oh, let's pray about praying and then let's pray. And then, oh... Jesus, we love you. Oh, church, I hope you feel the sense of destiny that God has assigned to you as Heartland Church. You are a weapon in his hand if you are willing to be so. I'm telling you, if there's a resistance in you, just ask God. God, pull me in. Pull me in. Because that's, that's where this train is going. We have got to fill the hole God designed us for in human history. Oh, I do not want to stand before God as a consumer of the kingdom. Oh, Lord, let us be fathers and mothers. Oh, God. It is time for you to leverage your history for those who do not have one. It is time for you to reach back into all that God has built in you to take a stand for those who have not yet built a history with God. That's what moms and dads do for their children. Oh. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we say yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. We don't know how to get there.
We just know you are the way, Jesus. Do it in us. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. Now, Lord, let us enter into your love for others. Move our hearts. Grant us travail for the birth, the rebirth of this nation, Lord. God, that your purposes would prevail and that the United States of America would be saved. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to encourage you before I let you go this morning. Listen, those that you don't understand, now is not the time for memes and mocking and jokes about other people. Now's the time to weep with those who weep. Get under their pain and let's pray this thing through, okay? Yeah. I love you. Hopefully we'll see you this week. If you can make it, that's great. Uh, If you can't, see me. We'll see about another time where you can make it, okay? God bless you. I love you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.